Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Night Shadows. I'm Stuart Best. Where the paranormal is normal. Where that which you thought you knew, you didn't. And where the future can be known, if you know exactly where to look. Well, thank you everyone for listening. And we are very fortunate to get uh, Barry Rothman on. And we're going to do kind of a special report on uh, his work on the Torah Codes. As you know, he's an expert on the Torah Codes. And uh, he's dug up a lot of very, very interesting things. And particularly tonight, I think we'll focus probably on a, on a number of subjects. But basically, it'll be about the Fourth Reich and the rise of the Fourth Reich. And uh, anyway, Barry, are you there? Howdy. I'm here. and raring to go. How are you doing? We're doing fine. And uh, Larry, how are you doing? Oh, doing okay. Uh, Just glad that Barry's on tonight. Yeah, this should be a a really interesting show. Uh, I'm going to turn this basically over to Barry to go down through the list. of. But uh, first, I think uh, we want to go to the La Palma situation. I just got another update on La Palma, and the biggest quake, I think, is a 4.8 at this point, and uh, it is going forward and getting uh, more and more powerful just about every day, and uh, it is showing up in the Torah codes, and uh, Barry has done a little work on it, but um, what did you find, Barry, in the uh, Torah codes on La Palma? Okay, uh, get in that in just one second. I just want to say that um, I first looked at the whole La Palma question about 10 years ago, uh, maybe a little bit more than that. And uh, mm-hmm. at the time I was, uh, actually it is a little bit more, and I'm think, thinking more like 19, no, 2000, 2003. So, yeah, time's going by. Uh, I was teaching in South Florida at the time. And um, I heard that this thing was threatened to give way with a long uh, run-out landslide that could possibly kick up a wave. At the time, they were talking like 500 feet high and head across the Atlantic Ocean and living uh, at the time in Hypoluxo, Florida, which is West Palm Beach area. You know, I was concerned, well, how do we get out of here if this thing comes? The first thing that I wanted to, 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 to see, which I did not, was any presence of any tsunami sirens. Uh, there are none on the East Coast that, I, that I'm aware of or that I've ever seen. Uh, I've been on the Pacific Coast. Uh, I've lived in several places on both coasts, and they're out there. They're pretty common. So in terms of the, the warning, from La Palma to South Florida, if the thing should ever give out, God forbid, is nine hours travel time. So uh, if it happened to go off just about the time I'm going to sleep, when I'd be waking up, the wave would be on my doorstep over here or actually putting us under. So <laughs> definitely going to want to have some more warning time than that. And, uh, you know, uh, and that, that last thing I read about it, however, I, I did go in, I did see a one long article. There's a link um, on my site. Uh, said that uh, it's probably going to be, uh, if, if it were to go, which is unlikely, uh, would generate a wave that by the time it got to Cape Canaveral, of all places in the country, they, they pick my home. Because that's where I live right now. 
and it would uh, be 25 to 50 meters uh, high. So, you know, uh, 50 meters is, what, 150 feet or so. So, you know, it's only 25, mm-hmm. and then we're talking 75 uh, feet or so. Uh, so, you know, 75 feet would would already put me underwater. And therefore, uh, you know, I'd, I'd have to do one of two things. We could, in this five-story building, go to the roof. And if that's all it gets up to, 25 meters, we're okay. And if it gets up above that, we're out of luck. So our plan is to go to a hotel that's uh, a high-rise nearby if we have sufficient hours, you know, we wake up or whatever to get out there. All right, so, <clears throat> Larry, you asked me, um, or Stuart, uh, let's see, Larry asked me, to find mm-hmm. um, this uh, volcano. And uh, at first I said I couldn't do it. And the reason was normally what I look for for an access term, a first term, is got to be seven or eight letters long. Otherwise, there's so much clutter that comes up uh, with that. that it, first of all, the computer operates very slowly at that point. And, it, you know, I just, just uh, normally I find an eight-letter access term, first-letter term. I did not find one for this so i kind of gave up on it but you know i got the repeated uh, request so i went back in and uh, the repeated request if we're going to honor it means i got to look at something shorter than, than seven letters so we're talking six or five so um when you get down to a six letter encoding for la palma it's there but there are like over four thousand la palmas that are at an els and torah that have um you know a lower skip than what's here which is why I normally would not go there. Um, if I looked for the word volcano, it's parallel to La Palma, which gets interesting. It's two columns over, uh, parallel to the middle of La Palma. Uh, and the word uh, is found at ELS ranked like it's 2,600 or so. So not over 4,000, still much higher than I would normally look for or use unless there's something else spectacular on the matrix. In this case, there is. So when I look at the bottom line uh, in the the matrix, let me see how many letters is this all together. We're talking 456 characters. We're talking 12 rows by 38 columns. What it begins with is uh, uh, Hamabul, which is the flood, Mayim of water, Al was on, Haaretz, the earth, uh, to kill or slay uh, which is all flesh so we have La Palma parallel to Volcano and we have this about the flood that's going to kill all flesh which sounds like what would we kill if this thing ever let, let loose uh, with a landslide and a tsunami like they're talking about basically it would wipe out the east coast of the United States North Africa, part of Europe you know, get down into South America, the Caribbean. I mean, it would be hor- We would lose billions of people if this thing ever went. Uh, I did not find the date on this thing. Now, when I say I didn't find the date, everything is a question of how much work do I want to do for it. Um, <laughs> if I look for this year, it's not there. If I look for next year, it's there, but it's there not at a special case skip. What is a special case skip? Uh, the number of letters between the first letter and the second letter of a word is going to be equal to the third, is going to be equal to the fourth, the fifth, and so on. That's what the computer would search for. So if, if the special skip is going to be like what's on the bottom of this current matrix, where it says it right out there in the open text, you know, uh, you know, the flood is on the earth uh, to kill all, all earth, uh, all flesh. Uh, so it's either going to be uh, open text or it's going to be the skip plus one. 
that's the best case skip. That's where it's t- I'm, I'm seeing exactly what I'm looking for. So, uh, second uh, best would be another special case, which would be minus one. So it's now reading like English reads. Hebrews read right mm-hmm. to left, so if it goes from left to right, that would be how it would be presented. And then the other two cases that are special case are exactly the skip of the axis term. So we're talking about, in this case, the skip of this axis. This axis term, I wound up using volcano. <clears throat> the skip for that is 60,094. So if anything was at 60,094 or minus 60,094 letters, either one would be special special case. Now, in this case, mm-hmm. uh, I want to get a little bit against normal rules. Uh, usually I use the longest word that's at NALS uh, for, for the axis term. And that would be La Palma. In this case, I chose the five-letter volcano because it was a lower axis uh, rank. Uh, and, mm-hmm. um, it, you know, it, it just makes for a nicer presentation. Um, the words next to each other, two columns apart, is, is interesting. They're parallel. They're still not special case skip. If they were both at the same skip or absolute skip, they'd not only be parallel, but there'd also be only one letter between each letter going vertically, and in this case with La Palma, it's at, uh, at row split of two, meaning that there's two, two rows for every row that goes by with Volcano. So I don't count that as special case. I don't count that as anything that's, uh, that's uh, special. To, uh, but I still wind up, even though I have to divide the final value of this uh, matrix by over 4,000. Let me uh, go back here. Uh, over 4,000 in order to uh, um, fit in the ELS rank. Wait a minute, I've got to go back one more in a second. Um, wait a second, where did I go? Uh, uh, something i got to go put up. All right, anyway, well, even though um, I was going to say, I have to, I have to, uh, to, to use so many uh, letters on there, um, you know, it's, uh, it, it's the, the matrix appeared against odds of... Uh, uh, 23,001 is what I wanted to say. So mm-hmm. that's not bad. I mean, a lot of the stuff that I put up, I'll see odds of millions or billions to one, hundreds of thousands of one is more common. Um, if I if it's only if it's less than a thousand to one, I don't tend to get that excited. Uh, Ten thousand to one, all right, a little interest over here. So we're in that order of magnitude. 23,219 to 1 is the exact odds against this matrix. So uh, both awarded the terms floodwaters. That was that was a special, that was a key word to look for. And also mm-hmm. to destroy all flesh. I, I knew ahead of time they're in the tower. I want to see if I can get a match with them. The odds of finding each one of those in a matrix this size uh, was 668 to 1 against. So when I multiply together that and also the value for La Palma, one chance in 134 for La Palma, uh, I wind up with a huge, a huge number, but I have to divide it by the ELS rank of Volcano, and that's 2,586, and after that I'm still left over with 23,219. So in other words, it was a pretty good match. And it's a question here, is what I'm trying to say, that of timing. Or how much time do I, do I want to put into it? You're a nice guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're both nice guys, so you guys make a request. It gets my attention. But if somebody else were to ask me this question, the first look, I would have stopped it right there. Uh, now, mm-hmm. that just says something about, well, what's the best way to really find out what's encoded? And the answer is 
we really need a program. I call it uh, Creator Decoder. And I've asked the military to fund me on this, and uh, although I see them often looking at it and reading it, they have yet to to make the offer. But here in this case, i got a guy, I got to buy out a program, Code Finder, from uh, Kevin Akers in Australia who created it. And uh, I would want Dr. Robert Harlick, who wrote the, uh, uh, I guess, the, the forward of my book, Art Code. Uh, mm-hmm. He's a math professor. But he, he's the head of the computer uh, sciences uh, you know, graduate division, City University of New York, and probably he wants to have a bunch of grad students on the project. So if we got them all together and we get access to the uh, computer he wants at Brookhaven National Laboratory, we're talking about $2 million contract is what I'm asking for. So, so far they haven't bitten at it. But they may mm. sometime because they're on my website, uh, these, especially Fort Huachuca, the Army Intelligence Base, and their partners, along with the United Kingdom Ministry of Defense, up to 1,000 or more times a day. So, oh. I mean, they have, they have constant searches running on my site, and I, uh, I try to keep them busy, and I do. But um, I've never spoken to them directly. They did send down an agent one time to interrogate me uh, outside the Cape Canaveral Public Library, and that story is on is on the site. So that's uh, that's the first matrix. La Palma's there, uh, and uh, that's the first one that's, that's listed where I have a, a list of these programs that we're going to choose from tonight. Now, um, I sent you guys a PDF that has links to all the matrices that related to what you wanted to look at done since October 2nd last year, which was the last time we spoke. And we had two shows that dealt with Fourth Reich before. So since yes. we're, we're going to go back, you want to go back to that topic tonight? I'd rather do new stuff than old stuff. Do you, yeah. Can you say anything about the, where they can find this link? Uh, yeah. And uh, I think uh, I wanted to, before we leave La Palma, the reason I was personally interested in it, I did some research, and uh, the actual name, and I don't have it in front of me, but it includes Michael as part of the name of La Palma. And if you go into Daniel chapter 12, it says that Michael, the archangel, stands up, and at that time, thy people will be delivered. Uh, So I was interested if the La Palma situation was sort of a warning that we are rapidly approaching, you know, the the time of uh, the resurrection and all of that. Uh, so it was kind of interesting to find out that Michael is part of that. And uh, uh, another indication I've thought that possibly um, that was just another warning that we are definitely approaching the time of the end. Uh, Larry, you have any questions on that before we move on? Yeah, I just wanted to make a quick comment. I really wanted to thank Barry because I know sometimes I bug him a little, and I did <laughs> bug him a little bit on La Palma and, and sent him multiple uh, updates on the volcano, and I thank him for his patience. But I wanted to mention this real quick, just a comment. Uh, when he ran that, the third, fourth, and fifth in the matrix is the floodwaters were on the earth to destroy all flesh. And I see where he's coming from uh, with the, that in, in current time. But oddly enough, the first thing that struck me when I saw it was it's, it's uh, 
really seemed like those, that wording pivoted out of the flood of Noah or the days of Noah. And mm-hmm. I, 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 again, I kind of lean towards that. I, I kind of lean towards that. Possibly this could this wording from the days of Noah could be a warning towards towards us and and the end times. Well, I think it is. Uh, first of all, you know, the Torah code is based on the first five books of the Bible, which is, you know, the Torah is, is Genesis, you know, and uh, through Deuteronomy. So Genesis, Exodus, uh, uh, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So that particular word uh, was upon the floodwaters upon the earth. Yeah, that was the story of Noah. And in terms of uh, where exactly it's located, let me see if I can uh, get this open again over here while I go back to that. Um, just a second. Let me get it over Wait. here. I'll get you an exact. Anyways, it's going to be uh, somewhere. The story of Noah starts around Genesis 6. So, um, by tsunami, here it is. Come on. Open up, will you? I don't know, I don't know why it's not opening. Um, well, let me get it. La Palma, La Palma, La Palma. Uh, sorry about the delay here. Let me go in one more time and see if I can get it. Well, that is kind of interesting. That, uh... Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's it's going to be early. It's going to be early in Genesis. It's just you know this this thing tears through. But the skip here was like a uh, hundred and twenty thousand to one or so. Um, let me see. Okay, here's the articles. And so the next time that it, the code's going to pop down, it's going to be. Um, well, about, about a third of the way through Torah, I guess. So let me see if it opens this time. Yeah, it does. Okay. All right. So the flood waters. Yeah, I, I said it's the story. The story Noah starts around Genesis six, and and it is sure enough, it's chapter six, verses verse seventeen. So all of that is six seventeen in Genesis. When you get to the beginning of La Palma, which is going to be. Uh, equivalent of two rows away, uh, but you're going to go back up to the top of the matrix. We're in the Deuteronomy at that point, 532. Uh, volcano starts in um, numbers at 525. You know, so mm-hmm. it, it kind of skips around, but it's an equal number of letters between each letter. And because it's such so vast what the skip is here, it's necessary for you know, us to really use the computer to find, have a shot at finding these things. And, and in this case... Not only are they that far apart, but actually this is what's called a wrap matrix. What's that? It says the matrix spans 661,072 letters of surface text. There's only 304,805 letters in the Torah. So that means that the way the Jews read the Torah, we start on a holiday called Simchat Torah every year with Genesis 1-1. And we finish at... uh, at uh, Deuteronomy, uh, what is it, 3412, uh, to the very end, last word of Torah, which is Israel, uh, we finish uh, the next holiday of Simchat Torah, a year, year later. And then that night we dance with the Torah, and uh, then we re- rewind it all the way to the beginning, and it's a scroll. And then we start over again with Genesis 1 1, within the beginning, God created the heavens and the, the earth. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so that's how we read it, and that's how it's encoded. In other words, here, what's going on is it's going from, in a sense, the beginning of the Torah through the end, and then it's going to come back to the beginning again. It's going to go almost two passes through the Torah 
before it finds these words at an ELS, at an equidistant letter sequence. So mm-hmm. it takes a little while to find it, you know, and it's easier if the, the skip's not so big, and especially if the axis word is longer. If we have a, an eight-letter axis word, a normal length, then it might occur anywhere from one to eight times. It might occur not at all, so it depends on whether the, the letters are, are infrequent, like a, like a Zion, like a Z in English, or they're frequent, like an, an A or an E in English, uh, you know. So, so letter frequency counts a lot for how often... You're going to see it, but if you start out with, with letters that are pretty uh, pretty easy to find and the word's not too long, there's going to be so many to go through, it takes the computer a while. So it's just, again, a question of time. How long do I want to sit there and look at the computer to get an answer? And what's the significance? Because the, the, the higher the ELS rank, the, the more I have to divide uh, by because, in this case, if it's over 4,000, well, or really in this case, 2,500 wound up in. Um, you know, that means I have 2,500 chances, you know, minus one to find a better matrix, a more compact matrix than what I present. So I have mm-hmm. to, you know, factor that into the math. Otherwise, it's dishonest what I would present. So that, that's the first one that I wanted to talk about. The second one is the second most uh, most frequent article. It says Biden's portrait is encoded in Torah. Let me see if I can get this open right now. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, that's a good one. It shows that the Lord has a sense of humor, doesn't he? Yes, he does. <laughs> okay, now, the, first of all, in the sense of humor, I guess it would be hard putting up with us without a sense of humor. <laughs> but in the sense of humor, the, the closest analogy I can think of this is not in the Torah, but it's a, a, the story of, uh, what is it, uh, Ezekiel. You know, and he goes up to uh, Mount the Mount Carmel area near Haifa in Israel, and he challenges the priests of Baal. And he says, "You know, you bring up an offering, you bring up some cattle, whatever you're going to sacrifice, and I'll bring mine, and we'll each call to our God, and we'll see who answers." So, uh, you know, the the, the Baalites, <laughs> whatever, they first call out, and, uh, and they're calling, and they're praying, they're begging, they're burning their 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 sacrifice. Nothing's happening, and he he turns to and says to him, "Perhaps your God has gone aside." In other words, he's he's busy, he's busy taking a leak. <laughs> to answer you right now, it's the only other time I've in the open text at any rate I've seen humor like that. Maybe I'm missing some, but in this one, um, the the axis term is uh, the word look for uh, tipash was foolish. Combined right after it uh, with uh, evil, uh, no, what was this? Was tipashi, foolish, vira, and evil. So the axis term is foolish and evil, but foolish can also be translated as jerk. The axis term we're looking for a jerk that's evil over here. Now, when we that's it, skip minus one hundred and eight thousand four hundred and forty. By some great miracle, <laughs> at the same exact skip, exact, uh, 1,000, minus 1,000, uh, 108,440 uh, 8, is Biden. Actually, it's positive, but it's the same absolute skip. It's the same, so the same absolute skip is Biden. So he's parallel to, there's no, no reason to skip a line or anything to see it. At the same exact skip, Minus 108,440 is also president. 
and it's the same exact absolute skip is is also USA. So we have at the same skip, foolish and evil jerk, or a foolish <laughs> jerk and evil President Biden USA, and the word Joseph is at skip one. So in other words, Joseph, the Joseph here is the Joseph that's at the end of the book of Genesis, you know, and so he's a major character in the Bible. And the odds against this matrix uh, being there, this is in 392 letters, it's in 49 rows by eight columns, is 1,066,408 to one against. So that's a very significant set of odds over there. And, um, you know, I, I look at it, <laughs> it raises a lot of serious questions. Yeah, because does. the first thing that comes to your mind is humor. But normally, except for that one time with Ezekiel, I don't see a lot of humor in the Torah. I mean, people mm-hmm. are doing things wrong, and he's destroying the Hasadim and Gomorrah, you know, and, uh, you know, he's, he's warning us, he's sending plagues to the Israelites. If we don't get things right, we're, we're doing hanky-panky with the women of Moab or something like that. Um, Moses, he says, you can't go into Israel because, uh, you know, you... Uh, you didn't trust me when, when I said to uh, command the rock to give water and stuff like that. Uh, it's it's a pretty heavy story all the way through. And mm-hmm. uh, so all of a sudden we have this humor, which, you know, the question really being raised here is who wrote this? The question is not, was it written deliberately? Oh, yeah, it's written deliberately. Who wrote it? And, you know, everybody that's out there that's uh, a good religious uh, Christian or Jew is saying, well, of course God wrote it. But the reality is that, you know, that's yet to be proven. And the other possibility was uh, written by a human in the future um, or it was written by uh, an alien that went back in time, somebody that went back in time. And I'm, I'm sorry about that buzz. Somebody's trying to call in here. I don't know who it is right now, but they should stop in a minute. Um, you know, it could be written by a, a future intelligence agency, whether American, Israeli, or somebody else. Uh, who knows how to move in time? And the, the contact that I had with Fort Huachuca, you know, I, I've, I've discussed it before. You can find it on my uh, website with signals from the future and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that came across was that the agent they sent to me had some knowledge of the future. And whether that's from some, some technology he has access to, I don't know. He was very threatening to me initially. You know, he said that I uh, knew somebody just like you government came and took his computer put uh, child por- installed child pornography on it brought charges against him and he never owned the computer after that and I told him I'd move to Israel to try anything like that and you know I'm not going to put up with that kind of crap but at any rate uh, the conversation finished friendlier a lot friendlier and then as I said Fort Wachuga can be on my site up to a thousand times a day and I know it's them because whenever they come up there's an IP address, uh, any IP address that I get with a, a six before the first decimal point, usually an IP, an IP is always, it's uh, four sets of numbers with, with up to three digits in, a, in each set. So if mm-hmm. there's a six before the first dot, the, for the first uh, in the decimal point, or if the last, uh, last digit of the IP is a six, it's always Fort Huachuca. I, I, I demonstrate that repeatedly on my site. And they they know that. I've advised them. DOD is usually a 7. Uh, UK Ministry of Defense is a 25 in those locations. I've advised them not to, for the other for the other defense uh, sites that want to see what I'm saying, because 
I really I, I started writing this stuff for military intelligence purposes and started looking at it for that. Um, you know, I, I want I want our military to have the best intelligence that that can be offered. Uh, on the other hand, if everybody is really easy to find, then the enemy can always tune in to see well who's who's reading which site or which which article on my site, and how can mm-hmm. we exploit that? So Wachuca still uses the six a lot, just so I know that DOD and usually UK MOD that they're both they're both aware of what I found. And that's important to me because I don't get any pay for this. Uh, I have to have some kind of feedback. I get feedback from people like you when you make a request, which is nice. But you know, what I'm trying to avoid is something like a 9/11, you know, or to see if there yes. is a danger. You know, can I can I pin down a date? Dates are the hardest to pin down. I'm going to tell you that right now. It's very rare that I see a date encoded. Uh, there is some free will <clears throat> that the codes allow for, and therefore, um, you know, they're kind of careful about. Uh, about that, setting something in concrete, in a sense, by putting a date there, and then if it doesn't happen, there's a line like that we have in the Talmud about the Messiah. And I hear a lot of usually every Christian I meet, he's got a date for when when they think the Messiah is going to return. Of course, we don't in Judaism think he's come yet. But at any rate, uh, you know, there's a saying in Talmud that says, "Blessed be the bones of anyone who mm-hmm. will predict the come the date of the coming of the Messiah." For when that date comes, if he doesn't arrive, they'll say he'll never arrive. Therefore, don't don't make a prediction. Just you know, when he's here, we'll know about it. <laughs> he's taking his time. You know, it would have been nice if he got here before the Holocaust and before a few other things that were horrible happened in our history. But uh, we seem to have a faith that's largely written out. But there's there is some room for free will, and where it appears there's not, the answer generally gets into something like uh, the existence of a parallel universe. So mm-hmm. when he says to us, I set before you this day the blessing and the curse, life and death, you know, uh, you know, the blessing if you follow the, the laws that are written here, and the, and the curses if you do not, you know, uh, choose life. It's kind of like that. We can see something horrible encoded, but there may be a counter code that I didn't see somewhere that has something positive if we do what we're supposed to. Uh, but when I talk about law, I want to I make sure that I'm talking as a Jew. And that the mm-hmm. 613 laws that are in Torah apply to Jews only. And there are seven laws, we think, which, which apply to non-Jews. They're called the seven laws of Noah. Don't murder, don't steal, don't uh, commit incest, or you know, adultery is generally tied in with that. <clears throat> don't uh, be cruel to animals, literally don't eat the flesh from an animal. Don't blaspheme God's name. And the uh, positive one is maintain courts of justice. That's it. So that's all that non-Jews have to do. We say, and that's easy if you know for decent people. But for yeah. us, we get stuck with the rules of Sabbath and, and and everything else, and not handling money then, and all all kinds of other stuff uh, come into it. Even uh, the uh, composition of our clothing comes in with these other laws. All right, mm-hmm. so we're a half an hour into what an hour and a half show is what you want to do tonight? Yeah, we got a half uh, an hour and a half, but uh, maybe the next one would be uh, one happy family to lay the groundwork. Okay. Uh, for the Illuminati, Hitler, and that. Yeah, to get into uh, the uh, Fourth Reich. Yes, that's September 29th, uh, 2021. And it's the third one on this list. So let me blow up the matrix here and take a look at it and see what's there. Uh, okay. The access term on this one is Illuminati. And I get a lot of questions about them. And, of course, they're 
always suspected of being one of these powers of the so-called deep state. The real issue that I'm looking at lately is whether or not by deep state we really mean the Fourth Reich. So in other words, does Hitler factor into this in some way? Mm-hmm. And on this one, where we get uh, Illuminati come up, the skip is minus 142,281. It's a very large skip. If I go looking for Obama, well, let's do Hitler first. Hitler's at the same absolute skip, 142,281. So they're parallel. When I look for Obama, my God, it's the same skip. 142,281, and right away to find Illuminati, Hitler, and Obama all at the same skip just blows me away. Again, that's the kind of, that's not going to happen by accident. You're not going to get this if you open a telephone book and apply you know a computer a code a program like CodeFinder to it and see that they all come up with the same skip. But it doesn't stop there. Oh, if we look at um, Hitler. Um, the word that is right under it at skip minus one is Barack. And when we look at uh, Obama at the same skip as Hitler, the word that touches, but this one's at a skip of uh, minus two, is enemy. When we look at Illuminati, uh, what runs into it at skip minus was, again, is An Barack. Uh, if we look elsewhere on the matrix, okay, this is just in the central portion of the matrix, which is highlighted with a white background. If I go all the way up to the top of the matrix, Clinton is at skip minus one. Uh, now, that doesn't excite me as much. I'm no Clinton fan, but simply because uh, this is a five-letter spelling for Clinton, and it comes up 57 times in Torah. So that means that it's not unusual for me to see her name come up at a skip minus one. Of course, you know, they had an important role in the world, and um, you know, they deserve to be in the Torah as a result of that. Uh, what else is on the matrix? Let me see. If I go down to the very bottom, at the very bottom is world law uh, slash uh, ordinance That's in the open text. So a lot of times when we're talking about the Illuminati, uh, we're talking about even this, what's in the back, back of a dollar bell with uh, in uh, in Latin, uh, you know, novus ordo. Uh, what is it? Seclorum. Uh, Seclorum. Yes. Something about yes. yeah. Something about the you know, new world order is down there, and we have an Illuminati symbol with that pyramid with the eye thing on top of it. So the Illuminati got into our currency. Um, what else is over here? Let me see. Oh, the word Bush is at skip uh, minus one also. So he's supposedly tied in with them. So we have, on this matrix, we have Hitler, we have Obama, we have Clinton, we have Bush. You know, we've got Barack, for first name of, of course, Obama. That's in there. And uh, we also have, what else, what else is there? Kennedy. Uh, no, Kennedy was not on this one. Um, Bush, oh, evil. Evil at skip uh, one touches um, Illuminati. So that's a lot of information to have on this. The central part of the matrix that's got the Hitler, Obama, and, um, and Illuminati uh, is 444 letters in area. So that's 12 rows by 37 columns. 
And let me see if I go back to uh, the basic article here. I'm looking at odds. Interesting. They're all together as a family, really, aren't they? Well, that's well, that's one happy family, <laughs> in a sense. That may be my humor. I don't know how funny it is in reality, but but also the fact that and we'll probably get to it as we go on tonight. We're going to talk more about the Fourth Reich. I think that definitely Obama is part of it. <laughs> uh, I don't mm-hmm. see that man as good or Biden uh, in any way. Um, the significance of this thing. Uh, let me see for the 444 letter one. Let me get that. Is here it is. Um, yeah, one chance in uh, looks like 113 million or so. Um, there wow. are other odds. I can you know, I give odds for the whole matrix or split up a few ways, but we're always like in the 100 million to one range against it so these are this is not likely to be an accident of any kind now when it comes to obama and hitler the next matrix over here has got uh, this is really weird and it requires a lot of reading to, to come up on where they come up with ideas like this there were there are some people who think that barack obama's father was malcolm x i have matrices where that comes out that's supported in turcos but the, grand, the grandfather, uh, via the mother's side, uh, may have been Adolf Hitler himself. And uh, this matrix has got an axis term of Obama grandfather. Uh, it's at skip minus 63,176. Reich is at 63,176. Hitler is at skip 63,176. And uh, Barack is at skip 62,176. So all that's is the same skip. And then uh, Dunham, which is the woman that um, gave birth to uh, Obama, mm-hmm. um, that was 63,174. That was two letters off. So in that case, because it's two letters off, every time you go down a row, uh, the next letter is a couple letters to the right uh, on that. Uh, that's how that works out. The, the whole code is it's like... The way this really would look, it, I always show rectangles for, you know, code matrices, sub-windows or whatever, but reality is that the code is, is it works on a cylinder. So you're looking at a section, uh, a little surface section of a cylinder. The circumference, in this case, if every one of these words is it skips 63,176, then if you can imagine this big, big sheet being uh, then kind of wrapped around into a cylinder, the circumference of the cylinder would be that skip, 62,176 letters, and then you would be to the next letter in Dover after that, you know, which is going to be presented mm-hmm. on the next line down. So that's how it kind of works. So are they really related? Um, well, you first have to figure out, you know, what happened with Obama's father, who did not look anything at all like, uh, like the son, supposedly. Mm-hmm. He was very black instead of Obama, and being not so black, he looked like actually Malcolm X and Barack Obama looked somewhat alike, uh, facial features or whatever. And then in terms of the mother, you know whether she was not knocked up by, um, you know when she was she was born in 1942, Ann Dunham. 
Um, although she was knocked up at some point by Hitler, you know, they brought brought her to him as here's a gift to have, have some fun with the lady. She got pregnant, wound up being that was that was the son. Well, that was the son who was who was the the real father, and that would have been Malcolm X rather than Barack Obama Sr. Uh, what else is here? There's another one, another Matrix, where uh, yeah, this is another Matrix where uh, the Axis term is Obama grandfather. It skipped about 105,344, uh, and at the same skip is Hitler, but it's opposite direction. So it's you know it's the same absolute skip, 105,344 again. So it's encoded more than once in Torah. So anytime you say lucky day, you find something once, that may be the case. But when you, what I look for is repetition. I mean, mm-hmm. anytime you do a, a scientific research, you always want to repeat the, you know, repeat the experiments if you get similar results. And when I look elsewhere, yeah, it's coming up the same way. So there may be something to it. And in terms of, uh, you know, what the, where, the, where the Nazis are coming from, the Fourth Reich or whatever, you know, if, they, if their thing is just to perpetuate Hitler or his offspring. Supposedly, uh, Hitler escaped to Argentina on U944. Yes. And uh, I've got a lot about that. And we've spoken before about, uh, I think it was Harry Cooper was the name of the guy that interviewed, that uh, was an American historian and, and set up a conference for U-boat veterans. And uh, he asked them after I asked him to ask him. You know, was Hitler on U-944? This was at a convention at uh, Isla Morada, Florida, near where I used to live in Homestead, Florida. And they also, they came back and said, after a couple of months, they came back and said, yeah. You know, uh, Hitler escaped to Argentina, U-944, supposedly. And I've got more about this on, on the site. Um, he had two daughters, at least. So we don't know about him having a, a son, but supposedly had two daughters. Uh, Hitler had two daughters in South America and uh, they're seen with them in a photograph in Columbia. All right. Um, well, I noticed on the last one you did, it says Illuminati, Joseph Biden, and the plague. Uh, yeah, okay. So the, the plague again that? would. Um, well, okay. Joseph, well, if Biden is encoded with the plague, obviously more people died during this current plague with Biden president than with Trump. Uh, even though we have the vaccines on Biden's watch. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, uh, I mean, the way I see the whole thing really gets into a lot more stories with Craig Ibrahimi. We've gone over those before. The question is, where did COVID-19 come from? And uh, very briefly, let me see if I can sum this up within, I don't know, three, four, five minutes or so. Here's what happened, what I know. On January 26th last year, I got an email from Craig Ibrahimi in the town of Sook, Canada, in British Columbia. Mm-hmm. And what it said was, um, Barry, would you like to examine the world's only pristine alien embryo? And he claimed that he had found a meteorite on the seafloor there in uh, the Straits of Juan de Fuca. And uh, where he lives is near Victoria, Canada, right across the water from you know the Seattle area across the street from that. So uh, he claims he found a meteorite and a 27-pounder, and he claims there's, and he shows pictures of it, um, he says there's a, an embryo in it. And uh, the question was, where did the thing come from? And the answer is different depending on which scientist looks at it. The choices are Mars, 
the moon or four Vesta, which is an asteroid. So those are the suspects. It looks to me like it's going to be Mars, but it's not certainty. Mars obviously had an ocean at one time, and so it would be easier to understand an embryo coming from Mars than somewhere else. Like the moon, is, as far as I know, is always dry. For Vesta, you know, an asteroid, I don't know if it ever had a liquid ocean on it. I don't think it's that big, it's big enough to have it, so that's why I'm, I'm hoping it turns out to be Mars. I don't know yet. So, Craig... Uh, invited me. He was, going to, he was going to send me tickets to fly up there to uh, uh, to I guess Vancouver Airport, pick me up there, and show me the meteorite and show me what he's got. And I was all ears until I start hearing about okay, um, the meteorite sounds like it's got some viral properties to it such as um, when it's left in a room, you know, regular room temperature, whatever, for months, it's extremely cold to the touch, and it pulses about 6 to 14 degrees Celsius in temperature. There's an internal temperature pulsation that's closely associated with what looks like an embryo. Can't say that it is. Mm -hmm. I've been waiting to see. I have been waiting for a year and a half now, more than that, to see a friggin' organic chemistry study to show me what what are there amino acids in it? What is it composed of exactly? And I don't I don't have that right now. Maybe he's not sharing with me. <clears throat> but when he told me that, I said my, my immediate reaction, and this was like January I don't know 27th when I opened it or whatever. I called him, spoke to him. I said, Craig, if you have what you say you have, I'm concerned this thing could set off a pandemic on the earth. And SOB, you know, here we are, you know. I mean, it wasn't mm-hmm. very long before the pandemic broke out after I said that. And um, and here we are with 700,000 dead Americans and over 4 million dead people in other countries in the rest of the world. And there was no concern about pandemic. The words pandemic, I don't, it wasn't spoken by our president until I think like uh, weeks after I said that. You know, and then it began to spread real fast. But the Chinese knew about Craig's Rock Way earlier than that, the Chinese had a newspaper story about his his meteorite with his name on it and pictures of it, published on December, I think it was the uh, 29th of 2019. So COVID that week was only, uh, the first COVID case in China was like December the 10th, I think. Uh, At least the first one that was recognized back then. Now, people are saying, yeah, it was around longer than that. But uh, in terms of what we heard, we didn't really hear about a plague in China until that time. And so the same month that Chinese are telling us about a plague is a Chinese story in a newspaper, you know, mentioning Craig Ibrahimi and his rock. So that I thought was interesting. So where does this rock go from, 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 well, his sample? He keeps most of his sample at University of, well, not most of it. I correct myself. He keeps some of the sample at the University of Victoria in, in, uh, in, in Victoria, Canada. He keeps most of it somewhere around his home, I, locked up, I suppose, because it should be worth a lot of money. At least that's what Craig has been saying all along. Mm-hmm. But a sample of it with an embryo also in it, allegedly, he shipped to Professor Chandra Wickramasinghe at the University of Buckingham in England. So with Gramasing, I have a copy of uh, the shipment, and it's on my site. And we've we've gone over that before. So, you know, he ships it. We've got records of it. I've got records of it. 
what Grandma Singh has sent the sample, I think it was like June 19th of 2018. <clears throat> so he gets it. Craig hears nothing from him for like a year. During that year, finally it gets to the point where Professor Elaine Humphrey at the University of Victoria, who runs the biggest uh, holographic scanning electron microscope in the world, you know, one of the most powerful microscopes in the world, she wants to know, well, did Wick Ramasinghe get any results? Now, who's Wick Ramasinghe? He's the leading virologist in the world who is into the theory of panspermia, the idea that life has passed from one planet to another, but whether mm-hmm. it's by asteroid impact or by solar wind or maybe spacecraft, in this case, as uh, some we set up there that might have been contaminated in some way or the other, the life gets from one world to another. And, and, and so the question many scientists ask are not just uh, is there life on Mars, but are we Martians? Are we descended from some ancient, you know, protozoan life on Mars? So that's who this Wigramson guy is. It's not, you know, now he's got names. He's got a big name. He's well known around the world. He's controversial. Not everybody accepts his theory. And so there are so many people that do that it's almost, it's almost, it's almost taken like, yeah, he's right. But it's not necessarily true that he is. However, he gets the thing. Well, what did he do with it? He tells Professor Humphrey, so sorry, it was stolen from my home after I shipped it to Sri Lanka. And nobody's very happy hearing that. I heard it, and I figured right away, this guy's a thief. So I went looking for, is there any proof he's a thief? Yeah, there is. So it turns out that... um, you know, Wick Ramasinghe turns around. He's got a buddy whose name is Professor Zheng Wen Qiu from the Center for Infectious Disease Control in Tianjin, China. So <laughs> he gives the thing to this Chinese dude. That's how the virus got into China. Right there. He gives it to him, and then they go and publish together. So there's no doubt about the fact these two are in cahoots. They, they sent it to uh, one great, I don't know, virology magazine. It sits on my site, which one it is. And uh, they rece- they say they received the article in October 2018, and they published the article in December 2018. We're still a year before the pandemic strikes everybody. So now they've had this uh, this this probably viral sample. From June of 2018 until the virus breaks out in China officially, which is December 2019, uh, they've had it for a year and a half. A year and a half is plenty of time to develop the vaccine. So mm-hmm. they work on their vaccines. Then what do the Chinese do? Well, they turn around and say, okay, we've got to test it. You know, let's see how many we can kill. Uh, so we'll, we'll use, uh, let's see, we've got this thing. They transfer it to the Wuhan lab. Uh, you know, the Institute of Virology there, and um, they develop a vaccine. But meanwhile, they release a little into the community. So that little turns out to be about 4,000 Chinese dead. And they don't care about 4,000 Chinese dead. They've got 1.3 billion or whatever it is over in the country, so it's, that's, that's fine. You know, mm-hmm. help them with their population control problem. And so uh, then they, you know, then all of a sudden we start noticing, my God, there were so many people dropping dead in, in Wuhan, suddenly it stops. Suddenly nobody's dying. That's when the vaccine got released. 
that they had been working on for a year and a half. Now they got us by the, you know the word yeah, cojones yeah. in Spanish, you know. They got <laughs> us. They're ready to go. So they're ready to release this thing. And, yeah, they'll send it around the world. They'll make everybody sick. And everybody's got to buy, you know, products from China, you know, to, uh, to, to fight this thing. We don't even have face masks here in the United States. We got nothing to fight it with. Everything's made in China. So they can sell a ton of stuff. But uh, they managed to plant the virus on uh, a couple of American aircraft carriers and a helicopter carrier and a couple of, uh, let's see, we've got the French aircraft carrier and a couple of Taiwanese frigates. And so they get it to the point where all our, our carriers in the Pacific are out of commission because they've got so much COVID on board, up to 5,000 cases, I think, on one ship. I don't know if it was a Roosevelt or who. But at any rate, we got carriers down. we got our navies all screwed up. And then they, the Chinese come out with the uh, Liaoning, their aircraft carrier, and they, they march it off the east coast of Taiwan where the, China, where the frigates can't come out and meet them because of the fact that they, everybody's got COVID on the frigates. <clears throat> and so they're bragging now that, oh, they've got the mightiest uh, navy in the world. They have the only aircraft carriers in the Pacific. Of course, they're building a huge navy very fast. Mm-hmm. We just sold them with a hypersonic missile they just <coughs> developed that uh, can fly, you know, uh, circles around our ICBMs or our ICBM, our anti-ballistic missiles cannot take that thing down right now. So uh, basically this is where when it comes into a plague in Biden, you know, uh, the Chinese, I'm um, sure, are more than happy, happy to put Biden in because Biden's a flunky of China and he mm-hmm. does everything. He goes ahead and surrenders in Afghanistan. He opens the border wide so COVID can come in here. You know, he destroys our economy by, uh, you know, uh, stopping on the first day of his administration uh, the oil pipeline, and it fires 14,000 people right away with that, turns around and says to the Russians, oh, you guys can build a pipeline. We can't. You can, so we can buy Russian oil or natural gas or oil or whatever, you know, and everybody else can. But I'm going to wreck our economy first over here. I'm going to tear the United States apart in every possible way that I can because I'm a good communist, and he is. He is. Yeah. And that's yeah. what we got for President of the United States right now. So, yeah, in terms of this being encoded in the Bible, hell yeah, it's there. Yeah, we got so whoever wrote it, <laughs> he knew, he could see, and this was a warning. There were a lot of warnings in here. But for most people to be able to read it, there's no way. I mean, go look at mm-hmm. the Torah codes, any of these matrices, and it's not only written in Hebrew, but it, you know, which goes backwards, but all the vowels are removed and all the, all the punctuation marks are, are not there. So you got to know to supply those things if you're uh, Baal Kore, which is a master of reading the Torah. And, um, you know, and it really takes a computer to find this stuff, you know, and a fast one. When I initially got the code, uh, code program, my first one back in 1997, to find the, I think it's like six times or so, might be seven, I think it was six times Ark of the Covenant is encoded in Torah. I'm sorry, it's not encoded, it's at skip one. No, I'm, I take that back. Was was encoded? It's six times it's skip one, but I think there's a few there's a number of times it's encoded, and it, it took whatever the number was. It took a, a year to find them all. Now I have the new program code finder on a on a modern computer. It takes me mm-hmm. about one uh, one or two seconds. That's how much faster they are. So it's not until very recent that we have the technology that can allow us to read it. Now, the people normally that we would turn to <laughs> in a perfect world who would help us read it would be the rabbis. Unfortunately, 
Only one, uh, one yeshiva in the United States I know of, a Kabad yeshiva in Iowa, has had a class on what I do. And on Hazard Online, I have a link to the, to, uh, the lecture that was given. And the lecture is mm-hmm. given not, through, not to a bunch of high academics. It's given to a bunch of kids that are like 12 years old in a classroom that was a zoo. The kids are running all over the place while the rabbi's trying to explain what this is all about. So in other words, uh, there are very few rabbis in the world that, that can use the Torah code or know how to. One is Rabbi Glazerson, and he's in Jerusalem. Unfortunately, Rabbi Glazerson, he's a wonderful man, he doesn't know a thing about mathematics, and if you don't know anything about math, you don't know whether whether you found is significant or not significant. And so mm-hmm. that's kind of the, you really have to know statistics, otherwise you can easily make all kinds of pronouncements that are absolutely false, and therefore you need caution with this. But that's where we kind of stand in terms of uh, the Biden and the plague, and yeah, we got it. And, you know, uh, if Biden really gave a damn about the United States of America, if he cared even the slightest, there is no way in the world this guy would stop the fence from the the wall from being built down south. Certainly no way that he would let in all of these uh, illegal aliens and not only let them in, but the latest story is that he's putting them on planes in the middle of the night to fly these teenage kids that 20 percent are infected with covid flying them into various places the last 24 hours or 48 hours. Uh, they, they were flown up to uh, was Winchester. I think it was Winchester. Someplace in the, just mm-hmm. North New York City. New York. Down yeah. here to Florida. They're going to Jacksonville. That plane also apparently made a stop in Mexico. So it may have dropped off a couple of, uh, you know, really, really dangerous criminals. But the rest of them, yeah, he's flying around the country. He's just looking yeah, in gotta... every place he can. He's trying to kill as many Americans as he can, and meanwhile he'll stand back and say, "Oh, I care about COVID. If you're not you're not vaccinated, you can't have your job. You're going to be fired." This is what is ruling the United States. I, I, I can't believe America does not wake up. But there are yeah, I've got a question about that. Go ahead. Yeah, I've got a. Go ahead, uh, I wanted to bring I wanted to bring up before you leave this subject, real quick. Uh, and the reason I'm bringing this up is, as you said, uh, Biden is working. You know, he's a good communist, and he's working for the for China, basically. And yeah. I, I recently saw a, uh, or I got a update the other day from Dr. Michael Sala, and uh, I can't vet it, but he said in that quick update that apparently Biden has now given over all the activity in Antarctica to the Chinese. Now, oddly enough. You've got a uh, Torah code you ran uh, 08-21-2020 called basically, I think it was the Corporate Foundation Secret Space Programs, which seems to include a lot of the terms you just talked about, Antarctica, UFO, Hitler, Nordic, Nephilim, yeah. Chiefs, Generals. Uh, can you go into that? Because that, that's really interesting. If, if uh, some of this activity in Antarctica has been given to the Chinese by Biden and we just don't know it. All right, hold on a second. Uh, the the date, now, this, by the way, is the first I've heard about giving it to the Chinese. It wouldn't surprise me. But uh, what was the date of the article? Uh, I don't remember. The, it was just a few days ago. I got it from, uh, I get his update, Michael <laughs> okay. Sala. Right, it should be on this thing. Let me see. Ant, uh, it's right. Antarctica. It looks like your first term is Antarctica. Yeah, let me see if it's here. Yeah, there's a lady, Linda Moulton Howe. I don't know if you've heard of her, but she 
has uh, interviewed a bunch of people from Antarctica, particularly military people, and uh, what they have found and even taken pictures of, clandestinely, obviously, of uh, uh, huge buildings down there and uh, have very weird script on the walls. So they found something down there that the military is deeply interested in. Yeah, I kind of begin to, I kind of begin to look at Michael Sala's uh, updates. He's got a conference going on, I think, or fixing to. When you put out about his twenty and back program, and uh, also you put the image up of his book, uh, Space Force: Our Star Trek Future, and so that, but. The most recent one, I believe, was when he put out about that uh, Biden had given the Chinese Antarctica. Okay, I think I, I got the matrix right now. All right, this one, um, first of all, in terms of the date of the article, it's figure four in it. Uh, date of this was, yeah, 8-21-2020, so August 21st last year. And if I skip down to figure four after a bunch of others that show uh, matrices about Hitler going to South America. Yeah, the axis term is Antarctica. At the same skip is UFO. Not that big a deal because UFO is only three letters, but that's uh, talking about skip 21,123. It's positive with Antarctica. It's negative with uh, with UFO. There is a Hitler on this thing, but that's a skip, skip six. It's not special case skip. But it's close enough to be of interest. There's a Nordic on the article, and uh, the Nazis were supposedly working with Nordics and also reptilians down there in Antarctica. And the Nordics, they look so much like us, apparently they're able to, to pass for us, and they worked their way up, uh, or they were worked their way up in the military-industrial complex chain, which is something Eisenhower warned us about, and I go over that in a little bit uh, as to what Eisenhower said. But um, they worked their way up there. Where I'm living right now, Cape Canaveral, uh, probably, uh, I'm about to get sued for this, but uh, north of Grumman, uh, according to Sala, so I'll, 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 I'll qualify it that way. According to Sala, <laughs> north of Grumman has got a lot of Nordics working at it. And uh, my son, he's got a Ph.D. in physics, uh, and, uh, but he's working for another company in town in Melbourne, and uh, apparently that was set up by DOD without saying a word. They, they, apparently they want to keep track of what he's doing and what I'm doing. you know. But at any rate, uh, I've been trying to convince David to uh, apply for a job with Grumman just because he, uh, the, uh, you know, Northrop, just because of the possibility he might meet a, he might meet a Nordic there. And I believe, by the way, Craig, Craig Ibrahimi, I mentioned earlier with the uh, meteorite, he claims mm-hmm. to be an alien. Actually, this claims to be an alien, and I presume he's—I presume he's a Nordic, and there are reasons why we've discussed before. Maybe if you ask me later, we'll come back to it, and I'll talk about why it's on my website. Why I think he might not be totally nuts when he claims that he's able to do some pretty weird things. This one also, yeah, it has the Nephilim as the first word on the matrix, and then it has uh, chiefs or generals, and it also says from the sky. The probability against this matrix was not that high um, for parts of it. UFO had one chance in 72 of being a special case skip. Okay, but that's only one word. 
uh, have Nordic, Hitler, and UFO together, the odds against that was 3,792 to 1. And for the full matrix, the odds against it, let me see, it's like 96,740,487 to 1. So the full matrix was a significant matrix, a significant matrix. And, um, you know, looking at it, uh, yeah, it's kind of relating, um, you know, the Nord- the Nephilim, they may have, who knows, who knows maybe they were also Nordics. Uh, you know, we had apparently a number of different species that came here. And some of these species, uh, Nordics in particular, may have started out here, migrated out to space, had their civilization on Earth destroyed and came back later on and, you know, try to repopulate the Earth. Um, so we have... Uh, what else are we here? Besides Nordics and Nephilim, we have uh, from the sky. Uh, the word foreigners is also there, and uh, you know, foreigners can also be aliens. At skip mm-hmm. one on this matrix, so that that's what's there. And um, you know, I, I, talk, I asked about a joint Nazi alien base in Antarctica, and the, the general assumption from people who follow the solid line is, yeah, the Nazis started their base down there, and they had, they had two. Uh, Two general lines of production. One was through uh, an alien whose name was Maria Orsek, and she just favored doing the research and building the craft, uh, the UFOs, and so forth, some of which we engaged in 1947 with Task Force 65, went down to Antarctica to try to wipe out what was there and, and got their butts kicked in yes. somewhere between Chile and Antarctica. <clears throat> The other the other line uh, was uh, the reptilian line, and they work uh, with the Nazis, and they were more aggressive. As far as I'm concerned, as nice as they try to present the picture of the Nordic Star as being, if they worked for Hitler in any way to help him make uh, make his weapon systems, they're no favor, no at least no friends of the Jews at any rate. And I think of civilization. Um, you know, if they're going to, uh, there's a lot about. The new pictures showing the Tic Tac uh, UFOs, the Pentagon's released and said, "Yeah, this is real. We don't understand how it works." Bull. They've been they've been back engineering this stuff and working with aliens for a long time. Yeah, we, you and yes. I have spoken before about uh, my uncle Eugene, may he rest in peace, that went back engineered what was found at Roswell, and I have uh, on my website uh, under the Roswell story. Uh, or line over there. I have uh, the complete list of every everybody my uncle worked with in 1960, whether from the United States, uh, whether from England, France, or the Soviet Union, or Poland, that was allied with them at the time. <clears throat> they were all back engineering what was found there. They were all together at a conference in uh, Tokyo and Osaka in March 1960. Uh, it was the third international conference of uh, non-destructive testing. And these people were all trying to figure out together how to take apart what was found from the crash from UFOs and, and engineer it so it would work into our current weapon systems. If you believe Sala, you know, it's, it's a horrible thing to hear about the Chinese hypersonic missile. But if you believe Sala, according to him, the United States uh, has uh, spacecraft that are in the area of like a mile, and a, half, a mile or a mile and a half long that uh, you know we you know, we have populated by people that just keep a secret, <coughs> and um, and the Russians and the Chinese are also building similar type type craft. So it's more than what you hear about, to say the least. And uh, he's you know he's got all the, these uh, secret space program books out, uh, which are fantastic reads. 
um, that, that go into details about who made what, when, and where, you know, where, and and so mm-hmm. forth. So uh, anyway, that's on Sal in Antarctica. Next question. Well, I, I'm curious about that because there was a fellow by the name of Dr. Peter Bader, and he wrote a whole lot of articles. He was an insider, and he talked about the uh, the war of the harvest moon. He talked about cosmospheres, these things that look like a cow magnet, basically elongated tubes, which he said were uh, operating routinely out of Antarctica and going to the moon, going to Mars, et cetera, et cetera, and that they had been backwards engineered from all of this stuff that they had collected since actually probably even before Roswell. I think it goes back before Roswell, but, you know, in terms of, according to Sala, in terms of back engineering, what happened was um, in 1942 there was the L.A. incident, which uh, Hoover had alleged uh, to uh, in a memo. He was talking about he would do the investigation of Roswell. He says, except in the L.A. incident, um, you know, the Army got it, would not let them have, the FBI have it for cursory examination. So what was the L.A. incident? In L.A., in, I think it was like February. It could have been January. Let's go back. It's it's uh, dates on my site. I think it was February. Um, there were like at least 25 UFOs that appeared over Los Angeles and Long Beach. And some of them would go real fast for a while, and they'd stand still in the sky for a while, and they'd move on. We actually opened fire on them because this was just a couple of uh, weeks, a few weeks after Pearl Harbor. <laughs> so we set up, we opened fire on them, figured they might be Japanese. And the story goes that we actually hit two of them and knocked two of them out of the sky. One was one was uh, was taken up by the Navy, and the other was taken up by the Army. So then uh, the people who had this stuff went to uh, President uh, Roosevelt and said, hey, we would like to back engineer this and find out how it works and see if we can use it in the war. And Roosevelt's answer to him was uh, no. But the reason he said no was because he felt like, uh, and he said, that um, more progress was likely to be made in terms of how long the, the war is going to last. You know, more progress or more rapid progress is likely to be more likely to be made with the nuclear weapons program. Mm-hmm. So and he said we can we can handle this after the war, and after the war, that's when we got into the heavy back engineering. Uh, the Germans, of course, were getting access to UFOs at least back to the 1930s, maybe the 1920s, I think Sal writes about in his book. And so, mm-hmm. they, you know, they, they got a working relationship going with uh, the Nordics and the reptilians much earlier than we did. And then we tried to, uh, uh, you know, take it from there, you know, when the war was over. And uh, the Fourth Reich came from where? I, I guess we're going to do a show that I should mention, you know, what where where the primary people were they came from. Most of them came from, uh, originally, it came from uh, Operation Paperclip. And that one took, I think it was 1,600 German scientists, including Warner von Braun, who built our Saturn V moon rocket. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, these people were, were taken uh, to the United States. Originally, they went out to, like, White Sands, where we tested the V-2 rocket and got some, you know, got to understand rocket uh, engine technology real well. And then they came places like over here. Supposedly, Von Braun also was not only big in Cape Canaveral or Cape Kennedy, um, he was big at uh, Huntsville, Alabama. Uh, where, yes. Uh, 
It's alleged. Redstone. I'd love yep. to see a picture. Love, yeah, Redstone Arsenal and so forth. It's alleged that he had a, one office building there, and the flag flying out in front uh, it was an American flag with a translucent swastika on it. Uh, you know that would, if we could, anybody could get a picture of that, and it was verified as legitimate, it would say it all. <laughs> but uh, at any rate, um, my old friend Clark McClellan, who worked at the base over here, eventually got fired for talking about UFOs after he worked at the base at the uh, Kennedy Space Center for like 34 years, I think it was. Um, you know, he used to uh, brag about how many Nazis he knew over there. Including Kamler, there was supposedly a war criminal who built a V2. Um, but he would always be clicking his heels to them and so forth, and they would tell him about aliens that they had worked for and gotten different pieces of technology from. I think Clark passed away about two years ago. I'm not certain, but uh, nobody's corrected me on that. His site went down. He was trying to. I helped him a lot of times with his writing until he pissed me off. He's it was an anti-Semitic guy. I mean, he just picked that right up from the Nazis. And although he would try to make excuses for why it was okay for him to socialize with me as a Jew, you know, uh, the reality was he would go on radio shows and, and be always talking against Zionism, and I'm sorry, you know, um, uh, I think the Jews are entitled to a country. <laughs> and certainly Israel was our, you know, Jerusalem was our ancient capital, and, and Zion is, for, is Jerusalem, you know, so... I don't see anything wrong in what we're doing, and uh, at any rate, so we kind of we kind of parted ways like that before he died. But I, I met with him maybe five, six times uh, before he passed away, and I even paid his electric bill uh, once for him. So uh, I tried to help him as much as I could, but he could never get rid of that anti-Semitic aspect of you know not the Nazi belief system. I don't know mm-hmm. uh, what else. Where where are we? Kind of losing losing track well, over here. We got any questions, Larry? On, uh, well, I wanted Nordics to ask or anything. <clears throat> yeah, go yeah, ahead. I wanted to ask Barry real quick. Uh, you know, I know I don't know if he knew of Barry Chamish or not, but Barry yeah, Chamish. Yeah, I, I was his oh, best okay. man. Ba- ba- yeah, Barry wrote a book called <laughs> Return of the Giants, and he included in that a lot of uh, of uh, sightings of uh, UFO activity that was happening in Israel. Israel, and yeah, he, was in Israel. he really got in a lot of trouble. He got in a lot of trouble for printing that book out, and uh, he wound up coming to the United States. But what I wanted to ask you is, there were a lot of rumors that Israel was also involved with meeting with some of the, uh, I don't know if you call them aliens or Nordic or giants or whoever. Yeah, it's but, much, uh, much more uh, current than that. I'm trying to remember the name of the... Uh Head of the Israeli space program, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I have an article about it or something up about him. He just died this year. He was killed by rocket fire. I guess it was from South Lebanon. That somebody who was in a oh, hotel really? in Acre, and he was he was blown apart while he was in the hotel. So that's his end. At least supposedly that's what happened to him. Now whether or not that's true, or maybe the Americans or somebody else killed him is a question because he was he came right out and said that the Israeli government was working with aliens and they have been yeah. for some time. And so that was like the, one of the biggest secrets that Israel had or has in terms of where they get a lot of their technology. You know, they're, they're pretty spiffy over there being able to shoot down rockets the way they can. And so, uh, you know, at any rate, yeah, uh, this, this, is, this is the man. But Hamish... Um, we we debated that you know what was going on many times. He thought that the Israelis tried to kill him one time by uh, 
uh, uh, ruining his brakes. Another time he said somebody had a head-on collision. He thought that was deliberate. Uh, he said a lot of things were deliberate. I knew him when I was living in Satellite Beach, Florida, and he was up in uh, St. Augustine at the time. And so, you know, since we were talking, you know, we realized we weren't that far apart, just a couple hours apart. When he got married, uh, you know, I, I went up there as the best man. Uh, conservative wedding, not an Orthodox wedding. and But at any rate, <clears throat> interesting guy. Won't say I agree with him on everything, but a lot of the things that he says right now, with hindsight, you know, uh, in 2020 vision, maybe they weren't so far out as they sounded. So that's, that's all I know. What I know about Barry, and uh, yeah, I got I have his books around here someplace. I haven't looked at him in a while, but yeah, definitely. He said the Nephi, he said the Nephilim were back in Israel. Wow. So in terms of what kind of aliens were they? That's who, what he says specifically was about. And he's written about it over there also. I don't know that he got in trouble directly for writing that. Most times he was very critical of just the Israeli government in general. And he was making it sound like if uh, there was somebody who had political views that they did not appreciate, that they would <laughs> they would try and kill him. So the charges, that part I didn't, I wasn't so fast to accept. But, mm. you know, this, if you start talking about actually the straight political issues, I don't think were reasons the Israelis would do anything like that. But when you look at this other guy that just got killed, that said that the Israeli government is working with aliens. That that's a secret they would want to maintain at all costs. So he never said that specifically, but um, you know that that would make more sense looking back at it right now. Mm-hmm. How far advanced do you think after you've run a lot of these codes and you've found all these words in the matrix? How far advanced would you think we really are? As far we as being the, we being the United States or the or, or humanity. Now you, I would say uh, deep state or oh, deep fourth state? Reich. Well, let's take for instance the 1952 flyover in Washington D.C. Um, I said there were again the number I'm, I'm going to say it was about 25 UFOs flew over the Capitol building and flew over the White House. Mm-hmm. They were seen by President Truman. Um, they were chased by jet fighters. They appeared on radar. They would sometimes fly way supersonic, and other times they'd come to a screeching halt in the sky. And my assumption was always that they're aliens, and I was comfortable with that assumption. Then when I started reading Salah's books, I began to see that, well, yeah, okay, he's talking about who was flying those things. were actually Nazis coming out of Antarctica. That seemed more bizarre to me for most of my life than the actual claim of aliens. But um, looking on the case that Salah makes, I think there's a good chance that yeah, they were Nazis or combined crews. The same thing when 1954-55, Eisenhower supposedly met with a bunch of them. Um, and then we get, to, you know, by the time we get to Eisenhower's uh, last couple days in office, you know, he makes his, his famous speech about, um, you know, uh, the military-industrial complex. And I'm going to read that speech. It's only a couple of paragraphs here. I think it's important that everybody understand what President Eisenhower said. Now, I, I know that before this I found, when I looking for what, went looking for what happened to Hitler, 
that in November 1945, the New York Times had a story where Hitler, was, or not Hitler, Eisenhower was interviewed, I think it was in Holland, and asked if he thought Hitler was dead, and his answer was no. Uh, he thought there was a good chance he survived the war. And, you know, this is the guy that was in charge of all Allied forces. And this was the guy that uh, became president of the United States, never retracted it at any point in his life. But this is what he said. Right before he, this is January 17th, 1961, his last speech on television. He says, until the latest of our world conflicts, the United States had no armaments industry. American makers of plowshares uh, could, with time and as required, uh, make, make uh, swords as well. But now we can no longer risk emergency improvisation, improvisation of national defense. Um, we have been compelled to create a permanent armaments industry of vast proportions. Added to this, three and a half million men and women are directly engaged in the defense establishment. We annually spend on military security more than the net income of all the United States corporations. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. We must never let the weight of the, com of the combination and uh, of this combination endanger our liberties or democracies, or democratic processes rather. We should take nothing for granted. Only an alert and knowledgeable citizenry can compel the proper meshing of the huge industrial and military machinery of defense with our peaceful methods uh, and goals so that security and liberty may prosper together. Now, nobody knew, understood a word about what the hell he said there for a long time. This is the first time we heard about the military-industrial complex. Mm -hmm. He didn't say anything about Germany. He didn't say anything about any Illuminati or anybody else. But when you look back at what he's got to say, warning us about this military-industrial complex, you know, he also uh, says in here, uh, it worries about the potential for the disastrous, mis or disastrous rise of misplaced power uh, that exists and will will persist. And he's worried about this, you know, endangering our liberties and so forth. So, uh, you know, uh, I think, and this is what Salas says and other people think also, this was the first hint of the so-called deep state. Now, what happened after this? What happened after this, of course, was he goes out of office Kennedy comes in. Allegedly, Kennedy wants to. Uh, Kennedy, first of all, Sella does a great job of, of documenting Kennedy's involvement with UFOs back to World War II or right after World War II when he was Lieutenant JG. Kennedy and, and Forrestal, who became Secretary of Defense, both went off to Germany right after the war and examined all the German scientific uh, you know, facilities where mm -hmm. they had their highest tech being developed. <clears throat> Come, come back to the United States, and this includes UFOs, they saw, allegedly. Come back to the United States, Forrestal gets uh, uh, placed in charge, I think first it was, uh, was it the Navy? But it, it, wound, it wound up being, uh, it wound up, uh, he was secretary, first Secretary of Defense. And so um, he's also uh, put in charge of, uh, or one of the members of uh, the Majestic 12, the group of people mm -hmm. that are the scientists that are supposedly in charge of uh, the whole UFO cover-up. And he speaks in favor of telling the American people about it. He says, I think the American people have a right to know about something that's important. 
So then the next thing you know, what happens to the forest law? He goes off, he's, he's committed to the Walter Reed Hospital for mental problems, which he didn't have, everybody else says, who, who knew him, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, no problems or anything like that. And allegedly he commits suicide there by jumping out the window. Now, there's no suicide note that was ever found. He was supposed to be a happy guy, but he wanted to tell the American people about UFOs. And the other people with Majestic, no, they didn't, they didn't think that was the way to go. And this is how they enforced their opinion. So, that was, so Kennedy was working with this guy back at the end of World War II. And uh, Kennedy went off to grieve Forrestal. He was seen there at least once at his grave many years after he was killed. You know they were they were good buddies. So uh, so when it was decided that uh, Kennedy wants to tell everybody about uh, UFOs, uh, no, uh, the, the the so-called deep state didn't want that, or whether the deep state was the Fourth Reich. So at any rate, uh, Kennedy gets killed. That's the reason for the Kennedy assassination. Sal's book on this subject is called Kennedy's Last Stand, Eisenhower, UFOs, MJ-12, and JFK's assassination. He goes on to name who at the State Department ordered the assassination. Now, I don't want to repeat the name on, on air because he, he could be wrong, but mm-hmm. you know, everybody can read Sal's book on Kennedy's Last Stand and see what he's got to say about it. At any rate, uh, in terms of what Eisenhower was worrying about, was stuff like this. And ever yes. since then, the presidents of the United States have been kind of afraid to come up and say what's going on. Trump was about to release stuff, but then he got booted out of office with this uh, Russian collusion crap that was all pure fiction, paid for by Hillary Clinton. And yep. she, she, so far, she, you know, she has not been locked up. She should be, and so should everybody else, uh, including the FBI, who, who participated in this. But it was basically we just had a coup. And everybody's talking about uh, on the news media, oh, Trump tried to have a coup to overthrow Biden. The reality (laughs) was Biden had nobody at his rallies. Nobody. Every Trump rally has 40,000, 50,000 people. Biden has maybe uh, maybe 100 or 200 or maybe 50 people come out to see him. And and suddenly, you know, and Trump gets 12 million votes more than he had in the previous election. And he loses. Biden comes out with this absurd number, 83 million. We see the suitcases under the table there in Georgia being brought out after all of yep. the, the workers, uh, the regular workers there, were thrown out, you know, from counting. Here comes the, here comes that, here comes the truck loads of votes from from New York to Pennsylvania after the polls have closed, and you know there shouldn't be truck loads of ballots coming from New York to Pennsylvania. Ballots cast in New York should be counted in New York normally. <coughs> Pennsylvania is Pennsylvania. So the election was totally stolen, but anybody who says that on TV is insane, by yes. according to the announcers. And they always talk about it. Any other channel except Fox mentions what happened with the election. They always say that it's a lie, that you know, it's a false accusation the election was stolen. You know, there was no, no case where anything got into court where it was allowed to be examined anywhere. There were hundreds of charges that were brought up of uh, improper actions. Not one made it to a court anywhere in the country where they, they sat down and looked at it and actually said, okay, here's the evidence. What does it say? So it was so obvious what was going on. But, I mean, this is what Eisenhower warned us about, and that's what we yeah. have. So, so now is it hard for me to believe 
that we're giving Chinese stuff, I mean, we're giving stuff about UFOs and the Antarctic base and all that to the Chinese. Well, they're already basically, hate to tell it to my fellow Americans, you know, as a guy who served 34 years with our military, the United States lost the war, the war, the Cold War, to China, and they lost it on November 3rd, 2020, when the election went the way it did. Everybody yeah. who voted for, for Biden... That was the vote to destroy the United States. Congratulations. You got your way. Enjoy watching the people come in through the broken border down south. Enjoy losing wars like Afghanistan because that's what you voted for, and that's what you got. Yep, exactly. Larry, any final words? We've got about two minutes left. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. It's hard to, hard to comment. Uh, Barry really has laid out a, an incredible picture for the American people, and I wish – millions would listen to this uh, audio and and hear what he said uh, he has really laid it out good and i compliment him for that yes excellent presentation we thank you barry for coming on uh i i i, I guess my comment is most of the of the people are comatose they're sound asleep they don't even know there's been a communist coup in America yet. They haven't even figured that one out. So uh, here we go. Here we go. Yeah, they, yeah. they may be brainwashed. I mean, I go into why so many people are so lost uh, in a couple of articles on my site. But, you know, um, you know, the abilities are out there. The abilities out there. If you got enough money, you can, you can influence people. You can change their minds. You can get them to accept anything. Hitler said that, you know, you repeat a lie often enough and people will believe it. And on every single channel except for Fox, you pretty much have the same lines being repeated over and over and over again. Some I'm a big fan. I'm a big. I'm a really big fan of the stupidity virus. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's that yeah. is the Matrix, and that's a real virus, folks out there. He's not making it up. It's if you look up stupidity virus on rcode.com, you'll find it. And uh, yeah, there's a good chance that that's what uh, that's what's caused it. But uh, you know, you have to read that one on your own. <laughs> well, right, thanks guys, so I, long, I really appreciate you asking me uh, to do this. Uh, spur of the moment, I just heard about the show last night. We only got through like three of the articles, I think, uh, three or four articles, I guess, that uh, I had sent you a list of 44 articles published since uh, in our last talk. But uh, do me a favor, if you can, link them all, all, the, all the programs together so they get a complete and up-to-date you know, picture okay, we'll of what's do. going on. Well, thanks a lot for coming on. Thanks, Larry. Uh, Good night, everyone. Take care. God bless all you guys out there.